Wow, what a difference. The Talkbuster Podcast. Hi, I'm Chris Chipman. You may remember me from such podcasts as the Chipman Brothers Tangent and Creating Geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility. I'm here to bring you back to the late 90s, early 2000s. A time of AMRAs and clamshells. A time of late fees and VHS tapes being replaced by DVDs. A time of stale gumballs and overpriced candy. Yes, that's right. I am talking about the time of Blockbuster Video. The Walmart of the video rental industry. The mom and pop video store killer. The corporate big choice video store that everybody loved to hate. Blockbuster is mostly gone now, aside from parody Twitter accounts. By the way, The Last Lonely Blockbuster is amazing and you should be following them. Kids today will never know the crazy Friday and Saturday nights with lines wrapped around the store to rent the next big movie. No more will regulars who are in the know arrive at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays to snatch up the new rentals that week before the weekend rush. Most of all, no longer will young movie geeks like myself have the memories I and many others like me made while working there. You see, under all of the corporate evil and bad practices, Blockbuster was a home, a comfort a place where I made lifelong friends and even met my wife. It is because of these memories that I, and I'm sure many of you, have that the Talkbuster podcast was created, a place for me and others to share our memories of what once was, of the before time, of the long, long ago. I'm looking forward to see where this goes, how it evolves. Join me, won't you? Oh, I'm so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Javi Feierstein on the Talkbuster podcast. This is Chris. This is Tim. This is Tim Chris. This is Chris Tim. This is Steve Dave. <laughs> Tell him Steve Dave. Welcome back everybody to the Talkbuster podcast, the podcast where I, Chris Chipman, talk to friends that I used to work with at Blockbuster and um, also talk to people, strangely, that have just reached out to me that uh, worked in the video rental industry and the porn industry, for, for that matter. Um, it's been quite a ride so far, and tonight this is... Uh, an episode I've been very much looking forward to. Um, this is uh, my friend Tim, who predated mine and pretty much everyone else I've had on here's time at Blockbuster Videos, in particular the Salem, Mass- the Salem, Massachusetts store. So without further ado, here's Tim. Introduce yourself, buddy. Hello, I'm Tim, and I feel like I'm going to come across as like the grumpy old man here. Back in my day, we had VHS tapes and we loved it. I wear an onion on my belt, which was the style at the time. We had to say dickity, because the Kaiser stole our number two. We wanted to see a movie, we had to steal it or go 20 miles to find a copy. We didn't have this Netflix thing. <laughs> Before we get back to the beginning, do you remember when Redbox came about? Oh, yep. And we got like the video <laughs> store magazine, and it's like, is this the end? It said on the cover, and you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> well, I, I, around that time, I figured uh, the end is kind of... In the post for, it was in the post for a while. We knew it was coming, but. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like I said, I came in, I've told people before, I came into Blockbuster around 2001. Um, that seems like forever ago now, but God, you were there for a bit before I got there. So how about we start with your history with video rental in general and with uh, Blockbuster? Okay. Well, it's funny because I actually remember the very first movie I rented from a video store. It was uh, Caveman, the Ringo Starr movie. From this tiny little hole-in-the-wall place called Video Perfection Swampscape. Great little store. It was terrific. But uh, in terms of working video stores, uh, it started for me, I must have been 
spring of 1994, there was this tiny little video store down the street from me that was just called The Video Store. We used to joke that it was the original. It wasn't. And that was in Lynn? It was in Lynn. Oh, okay. Um, uh, right across from Aborn School. So it was like oh, yeah, literally yeah, yeah. right in my neighborhood. And if you can imagine that little video store from Clerks, that was pretty much the store I worked at. And that was pretty much me, you know, feet up on the desk watching movies. Not half as cool or as verbose, but yeah, that was me. It was a great little gig. It was a rough neighborhood, unfortunately. Which it very much is. They, we had a robbery. We had some people who would mess with us, unfortunately, which eventually led to the closing of the store. Well, among other factors. One of the other factors was a blockbuster video opened up in Salem. Dun, right on dun, Trader's dun. Way. And yes, occasionally I would rent from there, even though I worked for a video store, because... Well, we didn't have much of a selection. We had the new ones. We had a lot of romantic comedies in terms of classics and other good stuff. Not so much. We, Tell of course, me, did you rent Navy Seals? We did rent Navy Seals. Did so. you ever rent it from Blockbuster? I did not. <laughs> Ooh, Navy Seals. We did have an adult section, though, which is one of our primary sources of income, of course. And it was really grimy and creepy. And there were grimy and creepy people who rented grimy and creepy movies there with, for their, with their grimy and creepy money. <laughs> and returned so. in 20 minutes. Yes. And uh, occasionally you'd have people call up asking for specific titles, and um, it was hard not to laugh sometimes. Yikes. <laughs> or some company that tried to sell me on some, like, we're from Starfucker Video, we have the most amazing fucking videos, you know? and I'm just, like, trying not to laugh in this guy's face, like, um, yeah, let me let me put you in touch with the manager, okay, thanks. We have lookalikes, lookalikes as far as the eye can see. <laughs> so, anyway, eventually they did close the store, and this would have been coming up in the... Just on the late spring, early summer of 1996. And of course, like a trader, I went and worked for the man and went to apply down at the Blockbuster that partially put my store out of business. And it's funny because I remember at the time, I was just looking for a job that would finance my movie. Summer of 96 was a big summer. You had like Twister and Independence yes, Day and Mission Impossible and all these films. So I figured it'll last a few months. I'll make enough money to see the movies and it'll be great. Uh, cut to years and years and years later. So... Started there in 96 with a really good group of employees. In fact, most of the employees I worked with there were pretty damn awesome. And I went through a whole bunch of regime changes there. Um, has uh, kind of advanced through the ranks pretty quick. After like a couple months there, they were already trying to promote me to manager, to which I kept saying no. And I would continue to say Adamant no. Adamant to the end. Yeah, I never became a manager there. Uh, just because I kept hearing managers going, boy, I hate being a manager. And went, yeah, you know what? I don't think I want to be a manager. I actually even tried to, I started, I was filling out all of the training books and stuff, and my brain was just like, no, you, you don't want to do this. You made the right decision. I feel like I did. T Tim was the, and you only opened. Oh, no, I closed, actually. No, by the time I got by there. By the time you got there. When I started, I was closing every night. And it was, you know, the cool thing with Tim, and I don't want to fast forward, we're going to mm -hmm. keep the story, but, you know, he didn't need to be a manager. Right, you know, you had some people like needed it because it, you know, there was no, um, there was no like, uh, job progression, you know, there was driving you. You loved the customers that came in looking for you. Blockbuster would put on the boxes, you know, recommendations, and I'll oh, screw that, you know what I mean? I'm gonna tell, and people would come. When's Tim in again? When's Tim in again? Oh, he only works days. Well, I'll be in tomorrow. Is he in tomorrow? <laughs> you know, and I thought that was amazing. But uh, I do remember my first night there that um, compared to the video store I used to work at, this place was exhausting. I was on my feet the whole time and just running around. And after the first day, I was like, oh, my God. And I quickly, you know, got the rhythm of it. Within a few months, like I said, they were trying to make me a manager. 
And I, it's weird to say, I just sort of blossomed there. I, I wasn't a very social person, and this job kind of forced me to be. It's like, you know, you have to greet the customer. You have to see what they want. You have to recommend stuff and suggestive sell. And I just jumped into that, and it was pretty great. And those first couple of years, I just it really clicked. I got to a point, not to brag or anything, I feel like I developed such a psychic connection to the store that on really busy Saturdays, I could tell if a particular in-demand new release had been returned through the Dropbox without checking. I'd just be like, yep, it's in there. And I'll be right, I'll be right back. Got I have a copy for you. And I'd run over, grab it, and go, ha-ha, there it is. And sometimes you'd be like, how'd you do that? I'm like, oh, I just, ha-ha, I, I can do it. <laughs> but, because I'm manufacturing them. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember... Uh, after those weekend nights and, you know, I wouldn't get home till like 1 a.m. And that was my new schedule is I'd get home at 1 a.m. I'd watch TV till 4. It was the only time I actually got any control of the damn TV in my household. Go to sleep, wake up at noon, do the cycle again. And when I did sleep, I remember that unending nightmare of the unending line going all the way straight back to the back of the store. Just night after night of that. And and that's something I've I've told people on here before. You know, you, if if you're listening to this, and you've never been to a Blockbuster or never been to a video store, even if you had gone at the end, it'd be hard to imagine one of these stores with a never-ending line. Mm -hmm. um, I've even had, you know, people I've talked to that were like, you know, they're from, you know, smaller portions of the country that just can't, they, it doesn't click. You know what I mean? The idea of even a Best Buy having yep. a line like that, right? And But it, it's true. It would, from 5 or 6 at night till 10... Yep, around 10, it would finally it would start constant, to calm down. Constant. And you'd have three or four people on the registers, and it wouldn't stop. Yep. And you have to bounce off, you know, breaks and everything. It got it got kind of tricky, but... Send one person to get food for everybody. Keep yep. working. Ooh, potential malware. Naughty! Do we need to stop or anything? Or no, no, it's fine. But, um... <laughs> Naughty! <laughs> It reminded me of back then, the uniform was different. We had like khakis and like a blue Oxford, which frankly oh, I think you? looked a lot better. Yeah. We didn't have to wear the, the, the polo yet. So it was, it was a better outfit. We kind of had to buy our own. But the, the funny thing is, if you looked into the employee handbook, even to the time when I was there, not only it was supposed to be straight khakis, mm -hmm. they couldn't be baggy, and you had to wear polished black shoes. Yep. No one did it. Nobody did. But that was the dress code. Yep. And, um, yeah, I started to get popular with customers to the point where people started to recognize me around town, which was a little weird, but kind of cool. And they actually still do to this day every once in a while. You're it's the like, blockbuster I, guy. You're the video store guy, right? Yeah. Um, so that continued pretty well for a while. Eventually, um, the manager, uh, Jen, who was the, the first manager that I worked with, who was just super great, left. And there was kind of a, a little bit of a change in management that I didn't totally agree with. So I left for a little while. I didn't like, know that. Yeah, it was around late July, uh, early August of 98. And I foolishly went to work at Walmart. That lasted two I didn't know that. weeks. Yeah. Walmart was sort of my retail Vietnam. It was just... And, and that's another thing to remind people, right? You think, oh, Walmart. Of course, everyone had a Walmart. This was a new thing, mm -hmm. right? We, strangely, still had our local stores like Walmart here a lot longer than... Because Walmart took over the Midwest yep. and then made its way to the coast, which is different than a lot of stores. But, it, you know, and we had Riches That's, and Caldor. Yep, when Riches exactly where it moved in, yeah. And so Riches had only been gone for a year or two yep. when that Walmart showed up. It was pretty, still pretty yeah. new. And, uh, yeah, Walmart was, uh, oh, boy, that was a mistake. And it didn't take me long to come crawling back to Blockbuster. I remember the exact night. It was 
uh, midnight of August 31st because it was the big sale for Titanic. September 1st, 1998, when t- Titanic went on sale. And um, the I'll new manager... I'll never let go, Tim. <laughs> I wish I could. Um, then the new manager at the time, Bill, actually rented a whole captain's outfit and hat. And I think I, he got a bunch of first oh, mate hats for everybody. Amazing. I think I wore the first hat, uh, mate hat for a little while. And um, there started my kind of second run there with Bill's group, which was a really another great group of employees. Had a lot of fun there. And um, right, I'm trying to remember around, it wasn't long after that, I think that Bob and Jeremy showed up. Yeah, Bob was like, because he's, Bob is three years older than me. So he would have been working age in 97, 98. Yeah. And so I, I'm pretty sure him and Jeremy were 98-ish. Yeah, I remember they both kind of showed up right around the same time. Might have been right around Titanic, actually, yeah. for all I... Probably shortly after. I think it was just after, because... Or that maybe right after right South there. Park. Um, yeah, it would have been like 99, so... Yeah, yeah I, I just can't remember. At any rate, I, I do remember it was funny, because for a while, um, Bob and I would get confused by customers, which um, isn't too bad, except that Bob would recommend some interesting stuff to customers, and sometimes I'd have to explain why this was recommended to them, and I had no clue. <laughs> yep. Oh, did you ever have that happen? Yep. I'd be on a bus somewhere, and some guy's like, hey, you recommended this movie to me. I like it. I'm like, sorry? A lot, actually. Because <laughs> some of my movie tastes were a little esoteric I and bizarre. So, so. I was in high school at the time. I had kids' parents sending them to find me in work, in school, <laughs> to complain about a movie I recommended. Most of the people were pretty complimentary, but every once in a while you get a weird one. I do remember... In those days, there were like a couple standard fallback movies I'd recommend to people, like um, Sleuth. That was oh, always yeah. a popular one. The Wicker Man, the original one, always good. Which stuff. people always love. Yep, and, and it's really weird. And, and people also, always love it. Our store had one of the only full uncut versions of it on video. I mean, you can't I remember get that. that really now anymore, unfortunately. Um, things like that. Um, I'm trying to think of another one. Heavenly Creatures was one I recommended a lot to people. That was always a popular one. Miracle Mile. Wasn't always quite as popular with people, but I really enjoyed that film. So yeah, we had a. So yeah, it was it was a pretty good thing going on a while there. Um, and now I remember there was uh, another kind of management flap, and they fired Bill, which was really unfortunate, and um, did not give the store to his uh, first assistant there, Benita, who really deserved the store. She worked like a dog trying to keep it together. So I'm not agreeing with that particular change in management and having a new possibility to work at the uh, Daily Item left around May 2000 and quit again. I do remember that part. Yeah. Oh, not to be the guy who tells the story completely out of order, but I should bring up the reviews because I totally forgot about that. Yeah, go for it. uh, Somewhere around that point, I started actually writing this little review sheet for for the video store. Since we got the five rentals every week, I'd use those on these movies you know, whip up some quick reviews, put them up on the counter. I don't know that many people actually read them because they usually just sit there in that little uh, paper dispenser or whatever it is on the counter. They didn't really move much, but I kind of liked doing it. It was good experience. It was fun. And I watched a lot of shit that I never would have watched. And I watched a lot of good stuff that I never would have watched otherwise. So, And it's interesting you mentioned that because I had Jason Walsh. Do you remember Jason? I remember Jason. I, I, had, I had no idea he had worked for Blockbuster. I didn't really know that. So he had worked at the Salem store near the end. Oh, okay. And I didn't know. And um, so he he contacted me and was like, I should come on. And we'll we'll get to where Jason fits in with with our whole group in a bit. (laughs) But um, Jason and I, the majority of our um, podcast was talking about how you could feel a shift 
in all entertainment retail. Um, where the whole point of the five movie rental was so you'd see it and tell people about right. it. It wasn't to only watch this one movie I wanted you to watch mm-hmm. and then sell all the like pop vinyls and shirts and everything for it. Right. It was to see it all and tell everybody about everything because people wanted variety. Mm-hmm. It was more like a specialty store with a corporate mentality rather than a corporate store that was trying to pretend it was a specialty store. Right. And it shifted... Um, and things like employee favorites and things like employee putting their own personal movie reviews that didn't fit their very clearly defined, this is how every store should run, we all want to be McDonald's, it all needs to taste the same, it all needs to look the same, it undermined an employee's um, uh, individuality. Mm-hmm. And Bob found that same heat when he ended up going over to Best Buy and did the same thing that you did writing reviews where they brought in management that like shot it down. Yep. Well, I remember Bob also was very prideful about his little displays there and that uh, management didn't always agree with some of the ways he set it up there. Either. Of course. Yep. I'm going to take one tiny break because I hear chaos going on upstairs. Okay. So I'm just going to keep it running. All right. And I'll be right back. We will Phenomenal. return after a brief word from our sponsors. Now I'm go- going to take over the podcast. He, he, he. There is no one to stop me now. He, ho, oh, oh. Blue moon, blue moon, blue moon. Dip, 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 yeah, and that's something that... Um, Tim's holding a bullet. Shh, don't spoil it. Um, that's something that I think, when we got a really good crew together, which was most of the time, I think you could really feel that individuality. That, I mean, we, we didn't always do things the corporate way. We kind of did things the way we felt they worked. And I think that's, that's really part of the reason why these different groups would click a lot of the time. Well, right. And the other thing we, uh, we'd said, you know, is that's what kept, you know... The Lynn store, the Salem store, and the Swamp's Good store were very close together mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of someone in a car could get to all three of them. So you'd have people going, I've already been to St. Lynn, I've already been to Swamp's Good, now I'm coming here to find this movie. We had people that would literally tell us they came to our store because of how they were treated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they could call and say, do you have something? And we'd put it aside for them. You know, the... It, it was it was a different world, and people loved it. Like the the greeting thing, I was good at that. I mean, it became a reflex. You hear that little chime. I, no matter where I was, I'd whip around and go, "Hello, welcome to the Blockbuster bag." Yada yada yada, the whole thing. And um, I was pretty good at that. And I I like to think pretty good at helping people find movies, especially the that movie with that guy was in the thing. There was you know that other one with the the other guy, and sometimes off of that you'd figure out what it is. Usually it'd be just whatever was that everyone was after that week, but usually. But sometimes, sometimes they had that real hard one. Like I know I saw one on your new release <laughs> wall, and you'd be like, "Oh man," because I mean we'd spend a lot of time walking through and yep. looking at the new release wall. I mean that's where the Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius thing came <laughs> oh, from, God. which which I'm holding on to talk to Steve <laughs> about. I won't bring it up, but um, I'll just I'll just I'll, oh, I'll give that you, meeting I'll give was you, amazing. I'll give you all a hint. Do you know I have it? I remember. Yeah, yeah I know. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you all a hint. <laughs> it involves a review from Roger Ebert for I think, Lost and Delirious. Lost and Delirious that says erotic, <laughs> gorgeous. <laughs> and I said that's the same thing he said about Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius, <laughs> and it just went on from there. Oh, we kept building on that damn thing. That was pretty amazing. Anyway, over the course of one long meeting, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Oh, shoot, what was I just? I was just about to say something. Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, the thing is, uh, it's funny. We started to become known as like these movie authorities, and we'd get the craziest stuff. I got so many phone calls from people trying to win radio contests, and uh, a lot of the time it was my dad. <laughs> Tim. <laughs> Tim, what was the name of the olive oil company from Godfather? Uh, Genko Olive Oil Company. Thanks. Great. Click. That happened a lot. You're into weird shit. <laughs> What's the answer here? What was the last movie Cary Grant made? What was this one? Yeah, just that that came up a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, we didn't really need a video hound in our store. Yeah, we had one. Yeah, we, we did, and we brought it we out. We used it for some, but we were yeah, we were pretty good. Um, occasionally, with the weirdest stuff would happen. I remember the first time I discovered that somebody might not like me at the store. I was coming in. About to come in for my shift, and I got a call, and they said, "Yeah, before you come in, you should probably know somebody called up and said asked if you were in tonight." And I said, "Sure." He's like, "Okay, great. I'm gonna come in and beat him with a baseball bat." And I saw so him like, "Okay." So I came in that night. Every time a customer came, I'm like, "Hi, hi, can I help you? What's going on?" <laughs> the entire <laughs> don't, don't night, I was so freaked out that like Joe Pesci was gonna come in and just take my kneecaps off. I never found out what it was. Nobody ever said anything. It was but probably Jeremy. <laughs> it was Tell just, him to come this, and suck him up. This was before Jeremy. This predated Jeremy by several years. So even the employees were like, I have no idea who would say that. So That's aggressive. It is. I mean, I understand maybe you, you don't like a particular film, but, you know, <laughs> I don't get it. Weird. I don't know. Um, also, we had uh, some amazing instances of finding strange stuff either in the movies or on the shelves. Um one of the most amazing ones, and kind of gross, was we found a tampon, unused, thankfully, in a copy of Set It Off, that female bank robbery movie. So I started to think it was some kind of political statement. Um, I don't know. We never really solved that one. Uh, the weed this of- store is too woke, liberal scum. Sir, this is 1998. <laughs> we found, of course, uh, several times weed in one of the cases. No, we- weed was a constant. <laughs> I do remember one guy actually calling up after and going, uh, I returned a movie. Was there a problem? No, sir, the movie was fine. Okay. Um, was, uh, okay, thanks, bye. <laughs> I need my stuff. Uh, the, the porno films accidentally returned in there. That happened a couple times. Yep. The kids section was a particular spot of weirdness for a couple oh, years there. Oh, the smell of urine well, and maple syrup abounds. I've never seen a kid apparently, um, defecate horizontally, but that's what happened one time. We found a shelf where there was just, you know... The poo was just like right there around the third shelf up, just in this one spot. Um, <laughs> unless the mom just like, you know, took the diaper and wiped it, which I don't imagine. I don't know how it happened, but it was, <laughs> it was kind of incredible. One of the most notable ones was one day when I was cleaning that section, I found a 38 special caliber bullet right in front of a particular Mickey Mouse cover. And I started to think that somebody really has it in for Mickey Mouse. So. Yeah, ch- check check uh, the, the Twitters for a picture of this. I was saying, you know, maybe somebody from Looney Tunes, maybe a Bugs Bunny, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you just catch Daffy's there pounding <laughs> on it with a hammer waiting for it to go off. Elmer fighting be very Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm hunting mice. I'm hunting on mice. The other thing was that because the kids' section was right next to the video game section, it was the place where a lot of the kids who were trying to steal video games would go to do it. And once we started putting the video games in those big plastic locks, they'd take knives and kind of cut them open. Oh, the blood. Yeah. One time we found the, the spring knife just sitting there and a blood all over the place in that kids' section. It was, uh, it was pretty grim. Uh, I'm at least kind of happy that whoever tried to pull that one off didn't get away with it completely. Yeah, Jesus. 
And of course, there's the shoplifters. Oh, that little alarm going off through the, uh, the detector there by the door. We had some interesting ones. There's one... I wasn't present for this one. I only heard about this secondhand from uh, one of my fellow employees, Wendy. She was awesome. This guy who is leaving the store sets off the alarm and there's a very large square right in his crotch just poking out of his <laughs> pants and she's like uh sir could you go through again so he goes through again sets it off and she's like sir is there uh, uh, anything you want to tell me he's like no uh, he turns around goes back in the store comes out uh block in crotch gone and leaves she went looking through and found this giant box set of Dolomite movies that apparently the guy decided he had to have. I have to have this. <laughs> Somehow the fact that it's Dolomite seems appropriate. I don't know why. I have to have this. Immediately. <laughs> but Wow. No. The funny thing about the Salem store is the Salem store was, I believe, in a plaza that was built to have a blockbuster in it. At least the Lynn one was. I don't and know. And they were was... a similar layout. And, and so they had that very... <laughs> carbon copy blockbuster layout that made sense um, with, you know, the CSR pit where the mm -hmm. customer service people and the manager pit up front with the doors on either side of it to yep. come in through one entrance in a vestibule and then the store kind of fanned out like bat wings from it and you had those angled mirrors so you could see down into the aisles yep. for the most part designed so you can see if someone has a garbage bag and they're dumping all of your movies into it. I ended up working at the Woburn store, which was an old bank, and it's now a bank again. Manager's pit and everything is at one end of a long rectangle, mm -hmm. and all of the rows are tall, like at least six feet tall. You can't see over them, and are perpendicular to your view. Oh. So people would just come and load up a trash bag, and then a guy would come and hold open the vestibule door, and they just run out with the trash bag. You know what I mean? And it was incredible how much shit... Because when you're one, especially, I mean, at the time when we were doing really well, you'd have even during the day two or three people on. Right. It got to the point where they'd only have one person on. Yeah. You can't do anything about it. If you have two or three, you keep one in the front, and I'm yeah. just straightening. I, I remember that term just for cleaning up the straightening, and I just do that over just in good angles to keep an eye on people. And then it got to the point in Salem where we all, like I, I mentioned this on several of the other ones with Paul and with Steve. Or we'd come in off shift, like, you know, everyone's going to go out to the movies after work, or everyone who from the day shift went out for dinner. We'd come back in, and you'd just walk around in your street clothes and look around. Yeah. And, it, you know, we, we were off the clock, didn't care, you know what I mean? And it, it was it was a camaraderie that I miss and will never find again, I don't think. I don't yeah. think I'll find that in a job again. I definitely haven't thus far. Um, one last thing on shoplifters, the, the other thing that was strange is that how... Seemingly mild-mannered people would all of a sudden steal the stupidest stuff for no reason. Yeah. I remember when we had... This nerd's rope is mine, We'd have those those giant sets of toys, and we had this guy who, like, rented three movies for his kids and paid for those in cash and tried to steal, like, this $2, 101 Dalmatians toy dog leash. And we caught him doing it, and he, like, did try to do that thing where he took it out of his pocket and just threw it away as he's, you know, after he sets off the thing. And we just like kind of returned his movies to him, returned his money, cleared, uh, deleted his account and went, don't come back in again. But it's so strange that this, you know, father who's, you know, middle-aged can pay for his movies but won't pay $2 for this weird little toy that he suddenly decides he has to steal for his kids. It's it so messed up. Really bizarre, bizarre shit. We had some weird-ass customers. We definitely had some weird-ass customers. Uh, we had some really good ones, too, and that's the thing. I do find that the really good customers tend to outweigh in my brain the weird ones. Well, because 
they weren't just customers at that point. You would genuinely be happy when they came in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, this guy's brightening my day. We had that guy that always came in right at opening in the day shift who knew you real well and said, I'm paying the electric bill here. <laughs> I forget his name. Was it the old, old yeah. man? Yeah. Mr. Was, Gilman. And he was just the nicest guy. He was super nice guy. And, he and looked kind of like Uncle Junior from The yeah. Sopranos. And he always came in on Tuesday yep. at 10 a.m. because he knew no one else could figure this out. Yep. We'd tell people, don't watch a movie on Friday. Mm-hmm. Watch it during the week. And come and get it on Tuesday if it's a new thing you want. Because guaranteed, if you show up at 10 a.m. on Tuesday, we're going to have this movie. Yep. And no one believed us. Because, you know, just like with video games, they're not released on the day, necessarily, that they say things are being released. Right. It's, you know, it's whenever, you know, you, you have the time to get it up, which was Monday night. It was the bit, slowest day of the week. Mr. Gilman, I remember, though, terrified us because... He was, he was an old man, very sweet old man, could talk your ear off on movies, really nice guy. Terrible, terrible fucking driver. Yes. And I kept waiting for the day that he was actually just going to drive through the store. Thankfully, it never came. But um, oh, he was he was a super nice guy. We had uh, Barry the Cop. I still see yep. him around Salem all the time. Incredibly cool dude. So funny story about Barry the Cop. Yeah. I got pulled over with Jeremy. Jeremy was driving his car. We had just gone out to Denny's, Mm -hmm. like we did. And we're barrel-assing down Highland Avenue, probably like 70 miles an hour. And Highland Avenue is a 35 that goes down to a 20 in Mm -hmm. a couple places. And Barry pulls us over. And I cannot believe we got away with a warning. He's like, Jeremy, slow the <laughs> fuck down. <laughs> like, it was awesome. And Jeremy was like, I'm sorry. He goes like, you know, it, it was, it was, it wasn't like something Jeremy always did. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, um, we'd always hear from him about stuff going on in town. I mean, I remember at night, that parking lot, you would see drug deals going on all the time. The two guard oh, cars yeah. come up to each other, sudden exchange, they both drive off. Every night. Every night. And yeah, Barry patrolled our, uh, that whole plaza. Yep. Oh, going back to uh, my sort of career there. So, May 2000, I leave to work at the Daily Item for a little while. Um, when my dad was still there. Yeah. I just, was, just around the time he wasn't there anymore. Yeah. I was a police reporter. I was really, really terrible at that job. Uh, <laughs> I wrote a couple of reviews while I was there, too, and then just quickly realized, this is not the job for me. And I had, because I was working so much and had no free time, I'd had a ton of money saved up from the job because it really paid well. And I basically did not find another job for a few months, which was really stupid of me. I wish I had immediately. And so finally, when it comes to around um, October, November 2000, I'm back at Blockbuster again. And I should note, though, um, when I left in May, I was decided, that's it. I'm not coming back anymore. And on my way out, I asked to borrow the bathroom key so I could use the bathroom and never returned it. And I stole the bathroom key and I still have it to this day. Little did I know I'd end up working there again. I was like, hmm. Did it work when you came back? I don't know. I actually never used it again. <laughs> so here's a weird thing. I figured they probably would have changed the locks or something. I wonder if the place they've put there, which is like a Liberty Tax, has the same doors. <laughs> I was wondering that. We actually. go in there and check it out. Because, funny story, Sarah and I went back to our old apartment in North Reading three years after we moved out, and yeah. our code to get into the building still worked. That's a little creepy. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um,. I think Karen was the manager. Karen was the manager, yep. yep. And not long after that's when Scott showed up. And And that's when I showed up. I still remember that day when he showed up, and I figure he's just a customer, like, hi, uh, can I help you? And I suddenly like, yeah, I'm going to be running this store. And I'm just kind of like, okay. Little did I know, oh, man, that was was a glorious, wonderful time. In terms of us being individuals, Scott, under Scott's sort of managership, that's when I think the store really had that. Yeah, Scott... 
Scott's going to be on this. He's he's agreed to be on this, which is awesome. Scott is he's on a different level. He's excelled at every retail job he's ever had. Management is, you know, how we knew him. God, he was probably only 23, 24. That's crazy. When he took on that job cuz he's I was 17. Yeah, and he's he's about 40 now. Yeah, I would have been like 22 at that yeah. point. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's crazy that like he was running a store and he'd been running stores for a little while at that yeah. point. But a lot of the the sort of weird crazy hijinks memories I have are, are from with around him. that time. Yeah. I remember the Nerds Rope competition. Do you remember this? The Nerds Rope. Do, are they still around? I don't know if they're still around. So, do you do, I'm asking like they're there. Do you guys know what a nerd's rope is? Tim, tell the people what a nerd's rope is. It is, is. kind of what it sounds like. It's those nerd's candy and this, like, gummy rope that's a good, what, foot long, maybe? It's, I think it's 18 inches long, because they were impossible to find a shelf to put now, on. Now, it was Scott and what? Was it you? Scott, me, and Rich. Scott, you, and Rich. Okay. Did this thing where they decided they were going to see if each of them could just eat one whole, basically. Just pile it right in. Oh, my God. It was incredibly <laughs> gross. It was kind of horrific to watch. I just remember sitting in the CSR pit watching this going... This can't end well. Picture eating an entire garden snake. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's kind of... <laughs> but, but slightly tastier. Yeah. <laughs> the other one I remember, I don't know if you were present for I this one. I forgot about the nerds rope. Um, when we had games, we'd put them in these plastic little kind of sleeve things, and then there'd be a little plastic lock that goes on top of that. So we had Those these long Weird throw-up puce-colored yeah. brown... So one yeah. day, we start stacking them up, and we'd play... A tremendous game of Jenga yep, I was with there these damn things. Yeah, we got that thing a good five feet high. It was pretty amazing. And, and remember, we did all these things while still having. Cu- there was never customers that complained about lack of professionalism. No, nope. people would come in and see these things and love it. The tape running competitions. Yep. <laughs> which was only which was less interesting when it was DVDs. When it was VHS tapes. Oh my god. We'd have the thing of when you were running a whole bunch of VHS tapes and you'd have a bunch of different titles. You'd have to turn them all into one sentence. Yes. Yeah, turn them all into one sentence. That we did was that a fun. Couple times. That was good. Or just do the you know six degrees of Kevin Bacon and go from one movie to another one. And then they, they ruined all that fun when they came up with the cart because they were afraid of people breaking their backs or yeah. hurting their backs. Well, we also had some employees who just uh, weren't very quick at it. Jeremy. Um, I wasn't thinking Jeremy, but I'm just gonna leave. I ran drama. <laughs> Jeremy, you piled it in the drama session. Yeah, but I ran drama. <laughs> It's up there, isn't it? I'm, I'm going to the back room to play Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> oh, I forgot. There was quite a bit of that, too, wasn't there, on, on breaks? We'd all show off off shift and set up a PS2 in the back. Sorry, we don't have a PS2 to rent right now. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I hear it from the back room. No, that's Jeremy's that's... PS2. <laughs> he brought it in special. And then we also, um, that was when we had all the cool posters in the bathroom. Oh, and then, yeah. Fight and that Club. Matrix one in the, uh, the exit way, the emergency exit, yeah. The emergency exit that had the Pokemon Pokemon Snap machine still oh, sitting in it. Oh, I forgot about Remember that. Remember when the guy broke him. in and stole the Pokemon Snap machine? He was welcome to it. I hated that fucking thing. <laughs> oh, man. That damn machine. Oh, those were good times. Um, hell, I still remember uh, before that being stuck in there for the April Fool's Day storm. That store was closed for like two days. Yeah. That was an intense night. I mean, just the power went out and we are just... I have to get all the customers out of there. And, and it took a few hours for us to get out of there. And it's just this pitch black night storm raging you know store completely black it's the way most horror movies begin yep i also remember around that time um when you got first signed up as an employee and you had your safety guide there were certain instances they had specific procedures for one was bomb threat you were to escort all i don't mean to be laughing about this no but this was insane you were to escort customers out of the store lock the store 
And then they wanted their employees to attempt to find the bomb. I am not kidding. I remember reading that going, are they kidding? That, 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 that makes no sense. Thankfully, in later ones, they changed it to get customers out of the store, get employees out of the store, lock store, call police. But for a while there, they expected us to be the bomb squad. Attempt to find the bomb. <laughs> no! Chester A. Arthur Elementary. <laughs> exactly. Chester A. Arthur Elementary. <laughs> That's 21 out of 42. Oh. Wow. Uh, I also remember around this time, uh, expected to be, they expected us to suggestively sell fucking direct TVs to people. You <laughs> cannot impulse buy a direct TV. The thing that was great is what direct TV was like 1999 yeah. for like the tiniest package. <laughs> but then you had to pay for like the install and everything. Yep. We didn't tell them. And we got like a $3 commission for selling one. And they were like, this is what you got to sell. And so we had a direct TV in the store so we could show people how well it worked. But it was... We, I just had that damn thing on Turner Classic Movies all right. the time. That's I was right. watching Lawrence of Arabia and shit. But it wasn't just the commission. It was you were expected to sell yeah, one a week. You had to sell one a week. That's right. And you got demerits. Yeah. And they're like looking at you, watching you try to, you know, oh, would you like a soda? Would you like a Snickers bar? Would you like a direct TV system, sir? It's It just didn't work that way. No, it didn't. I can't believe we ever sold any. I can't believe I, I managed to sell a couple. Um... Somehow I bungled my way through that and did not dissuade the customer from buying the damn thing. But it was always a case of they wanted it, not I sold it to them, you know? Right, people would come in and say, I heard I can get direct TV and I don't have to go through the bullshit of calling somebody. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right. I also remember, that was right around the time 24 started, and I'd take my lunch break at certain nights because I didn't want to miss a particular episode. Camped out right in front of that, 20, that uh, direct TV watching that episode. Oh... Uh, there's also, of course, the infamous Blair Witch 2 Massacre. Yes, yes. And that, that's on my list, too. Um, so, yeah, w let's talk about... Um, how, so, how this comes about to give people background, because I don't think I've talked about this yet, is Blockbuster did a thing, and I, I think Dan and I actually talked about it. They, at his store, called it Zero Rents, and mm -hmm. we called it P PVT and then Field Destroy. And Mop Poles. And Mop Poles. It was the Mop Pole for the PVT and the Field Destroys. Yep. And this particular batch of Blair Witch Project 2 which everyone thought was going to be this massive deal, <laughs> even though it bombed in the theater. Yep. We had like 200 of oh, this we piece had so of much shit. Of that damn thing. And this was, when I started in 2001, we had a row of DVDs. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like there were DVDs. Remember when DVDs were mixed in with the wall, that was a controversial thing. Yeah, I, it might confuse the customers looking for the VHS tapes. Being an early adopter, I remember waiting. When are we going to get DVDs? When are we going to get DVDs? I think our first ones were like 8mm and, and a few the other... Matrix. The Matrix and a few other random titles, and then slowly expanding from there. But anyway, Blair Witch 2, sorry. And, no, it's okay. And um, uh, so... We got 200 or so of this on VHS. So it very quickly was part of the mop pull. And we would... You do the uh, field destroy pulls during inventory often because you could have a group of people doing those and, you know, getting them in bags and taking them outside. And I came in because I still wasn't allowed to work after 10. Oh, that's so right. I would come in after 10 and hang out till you guys were done with inventory mm -hmm. and go to Denny's. Scott would pay me cash. And I'd do some work. So I was helping with the PVT pull of Blair Witch. And I decided that it would be a good idea to elbow drop them. <laughs> and then someone went in the back room and got a hammer. Yep. And next thing you know, there were no more Blair Witch 2 well, VHS tapes. I remember going outside and we decided we had to do, for science, test the aerodynamics of the Blair Witch 2 video cassette to see exactly could we get it to launch. How far can shit fly? <laughs> 
We found out. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Berlinger. But, uh, yeah, no, yeah, it's true. We started to come up with some really creative ways to destroy Dispatch. this thing. And again, those those field-destroyed tapes stuck around for a while. It wasn't yep. just this night. Yep. <laughs> I think we curb-stomped a couple of them. Oh, the curb-stomping. Um, um, I, I remember just picking up something heavy and just smashing We started running them. over them with cars. Yep. Slamming them in the uh, top gate of the um, dumpster. Oh, yep, that's slamming right. Slamming them in the door. Dropping the really heavy um, trash bin, the, like concrete trash bin on them. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of uh, spools of bloody tape all over the, that part. And, and it, all you. of it was on camera. Yep. And yeah, I was always worried sometimes, what if somebody looks at the tapes of some of the shit we were doing? Oh, God, they'd see us filling the soda container with Sam Adams. <laughs> And Mike's Hard Lemonade oh, about to start on inventories. <laughs> and then us being at Denny's and going, shit, we left them all. <laughs> oh, we shit. leave the empties and all the ones in. And um, Manager X, um, <laughs> you, you, did you listen to the one? Who, do you know who we refer to I'm as Manager pretty X? pretty sure I okay. remember who the, the person you worked with all the time. Yeah. Um, manager X, um, we needed to get there before Manager X got there to make yep. sure we didn't get in trouble. Because we were attempting to get her in trouble for padding tills. Mm-hmm. I forgot until I listened to that episode. I totally forgot about that whole thing going on in the background because I I think I had a couple that were a little off as a result. No, she started doing it to me because of how much Scott liked me. Right? Because she couldn't. I mean, if 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 it was you, it would have been too conspicuous because you work together every day. Mm. But every (laughs) once in a while, I seem to remember I had some tills off. Yeah, that's a little weird. That's a little weird. Yeah, especially since everything costs the same amount. (laughs) $3.19 $4.25 $4.19 $4.25 Oh god You still remember those six fifty five twenty five. dollars 2250322040602250321885 What was he 11511 I was 11511 I had the palindrome number which was pretty damn awesome It was easy to remember I could actually go oh, when I visited a friend of mine in um, Fall River I actually went to that video store like I can tell you the number here's my ID Boom I was able to rent a movie out there. <laughs> That's awesome. 225032 20406. Uh 2 That was my Woburn number. It's <laughs> it's funny, I remember the store numbers. Every once in a while if I go into like a second hand store and see some old blockbuster videotapes and like two five oh three eight? No, two five oh three two? Yeah, three eight was Lynn. Uh two five oh six nine was Swampscott. Swampscott. Two five oh four one was Peabody. Peabody. Yep. And then Middleton was Three, four? I can't remember Middleton to be honest. Middleton was weird. Middleton Middleton looked the way Blockbuster did when it was dying when Middleton did well. Because Middleton was like a shoot like a GameStop size. Right. And there was just wire rack. I'm trying to remember Beverly's. I can't remember Beverly's. Beverly's was a franchise and it stuck around longer than the rest of them. It did, yeah. I can't remember what their number was. But ah, uh, those were fun times. Franchise evil. I also remember I remember working the morning of nine eleven. That was a weird I day. I remember coming in on nine eleven because after work because I didn't know what else to do. I was and that, that's like it's like I could be home with my family. I'm gonna go see my friends. I was outside that morning, just you know, I had no idea what was happening. Um manager pulled up, I think it was manager X actually. Um mentioned a plane had hit the building and I thought it was like that thing in the nineteen thirties with this tiny little single engine Hit the That's what signal. everybody thought it was originally before they showed the yep. footage. I remember watching it and seeing the second plane hit and just feeling like everyone that realization of oh shit, this is on purpose. Yeah, number one, it's on purpose, and oh shit, I don't like what this really looks like. Yeah, and barely anybody. That's the other thing, right? Yep. Like you, there's no, there's no action to it. It's just and it just horror. kept getting worse. And I remember <laughs> barely anybody came in, and even when they did, you'd rent out their movies and 
you barely talked to them. They barely talked to you because we were both just watching the TV. We had it on the direct TV. And, and for a and, week, we had the coverage on yep. every day. And, oh, um, it was it was awful. I remember um, one of my fondest memories to come out of that is I went with a bunch of people who worked with I'm not sure if you were there to see um, the Spike Lee movie that he shot right in the aftermath. Um, oh, uh, 25th Hour? Yeah, and just like, the I, I, I really like that movie. Mm-hmm. And I just remember that. It was a good memory because he made such a... It was a tight movie anyway, and then having it exist in the aftermath of that... Just in the background, yeah. It was like a lot of the movies that Tony Scott did right after... Um, uh, uh, Katrina, mm-hmm. where he just, that's not a part of the plot, it just happens to it's be right in post-Katrina New Orleans, and it's like, alright, that's, yeah. Oh, wow. something else I gotta mention that I can't remember how much this might have come up before, is what I did to Steve. The 31 Days of Fright, which happened, started by accident. I, I used to work with Steve a lot, and uh, Steve could be a little jumpy, and every once in a while I'd say, hey Steve, and he would go like, ah! And freak out, and I realized... <laughs> It brought me joy to terrify the fuck out of Steve. And truth be told, it brought him joy to be terrified. And um, we were coming right up to October, so I decided I was going to try to scare Steve once for every day of October. 31 days. I never quite pulled off 31, but I came pretty close. I got some good ones out of him. But I, I'm, I'm, I don't think this actually came up on my one with Steve yet. Yeah. I think we were waiting for me to have you on, so there was a... but. I do have to say, after all those years... He got his revenge. Steve got his revenge. So, And Steve got his revenge on me, too. So Steve, who you guys have listened to on this podcast, is, as Steve puts it to himself, he's a very go-with-the-flow kind of a guy. He's not really the initiator of things, He's but he's always just the best guy to have he's around. He's super easygoing. But he's awesome. He's just he's not like the... He would never do 31 Days of Fright to try to scare someone. No. You know what I mean? So he had this plan... <laughs> where I did this thing at my house called After Ween, and he didn't let anybody but our friend Brian in on the joke. <laughs> Brian is actually a very brilliant and talented creator of cosplay gear. And I didn't really know this about Brian. But um, for those of you from the area or remember um, Gamer's Workshop when it was a higher level of visibility around, um, Brian was one of the people that worked at the only one of those I've ever seen in the Liberty Tree Mall making um, and painting... Um, uh, Warhammer characters for people and so Brian just he's very talented artistic and his costumes are always really cool so Steve Brian shows up at my front door now no one ever uses my front door and I have did this party called After Ween where I would have everybody in to my house in November to reuse their Halloween costumes one more time and have a, like an adult party where everyone has a good time yes a sexy party no an adult party <laughs> and uh, I have this light in the front of my house that's on at night. And it was a hazy night, so it was the perfect night for, like, a Halloween type of thing. Brian comes to my front door, and I'm like, why the hell is Brian at my front door? Um, So I go out the door, and he goes, there's someone here to see you, and I look. And standing under the light is friggin' Pyramid Head from (laughs) Silent Hill. Now, if you do not know what Pyramid Head is from Silent Hill, click stop on this and search Pyramid Head. There's a chance the picture of Steve from my party will come up instead of the character from the game. But I'll share it again too, just so you guys see it. Steve is about a five foot three, five foot four tall person. We call him a hobbit for a reason. <laughs> and he refers to himself that way. He's standing a good six foot four, like on bucket stilts, in a perfect Pyramid Head costume. And I go... 
Steve. <laughs> and the pyramid head shakes its head no. And then he starts creepily walking towards me. And I was terrified. And finally realized it's Steve. So Tim was going to be late. So I got Steve down in my creepy Freddy Krueger basement. Dressed up in the pyramid head costume, waiting for a good half an hour. And Tim goes, and I'm like, okay, we're going to get him. And I go, Tim, I got something cool. I need to show you something cool I did in my basement. Because Tim had come over and seen my house. Tim walks in the room, and there's Steve with the giant pyramid head sword. And you jumped. Pointed you right jumped. at me. Oh, I, I made a, might have made a squeaky noise. You did. <laughs> Steve and was I, so proud of I himself. I had to hand it to him, man. It was, it, it was admirably done. It was incredible. I think that was also the night I got super, super drunk and puked all over your interior car. After. You did. You did. Not my finest hour the, the on many night, fronts, but that was night, incredible. The night, as they have a tendency to around here, we're all very open, good friends. And nights have a tendency near the end of the night to get rather reminiscent and emoti. And people, you know, start sharing things and get a little bit drunk. And Tim was already checked out at this point. I, I decided for the purposes of science, I would see how much I could take. Well, I, I found out. I also had Paul um, making drinks for Tim the whole <laughs> night. And Paul, oh, Paul. Well, I remember um, Joe giving me a couple really special oh, ones, too. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember just being passed out on your couch and occasionally waking up and hearing Sarah going, is he okay? She was so worried about Because you never drink. So I know. She was so worried about I have, you. I have not drunk that much I have barely drunk. I've it was since brutal. Then. It was. I learned my lesson, but um, <laughs> it was humbling on money, multiple levels that night. <laughs> it was funny though. It was pretty great. The the throw up though, I felt so bad. You felt great. You were like, I feel so much better. <laughs> I was like, oh no. I remember the exact point in Highland Avenue when we came up a hill. I was like, oh, that was too much. <clears throat> we went to and we parked in the uh, am, the ambulance. Yep. Right next to um, yep. Malone Fence Company. Yep. That's and you right. just went for it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Should we discuss our uh, forays into filmmaking around this time? Yeah, so so Tim Tim was the screenwriter of the group. Um, God, you I mean, outside of these two, I remember the burying point script. Yep. That I, that chilled me to the bone. I never got to do anything with that one. That thing was awesome. I remember around this time though, there was a short horror film festival based in Salem, so we were kinda like, Hey, we should do something for this. So we, you know, kicked around a couple ideas. I came up with this sort of sort of nightmare man type of one about a guy uh, who catches nightmares didn't quite work as a script idea but it was it was cute um and we tried to film it as a movie and um um it was a noble effort <laughs> we did have an absolute blast making it oh we had fun it was great um it's it's one of those things you look back on and every moment of it was fun yeah and the problem was because we didn't have a lot of people i had to be in it and the most i can say about my performance is that i was convincingly thinner at the time that's about it <laughs> Oh jeez, um, um, but no. So so I mean, it, it was a culmination of efforts, right? Like my cousin Molly was the little girl in it. She was actually good. And, she was the best actor of the and, bunch. And Jeremy, who none of us really knew could act, was amazing. He was the villain. He was good. It. He was and good. The the the. I won't even say the problem. The thing is, is we. You know, all of us, you know, of course you work at a video store, you want to make a movie. So everybody kind of had their say. Like, we let Casey direct it. Mm -hmm. And, and he, he actually did a pretty good job of keeping people in motion. Yep. And we decided we'd have two units of cinematography. And then we set the cameras to the wrong aspect ratios so the scenes didn't edit together properly. And I remember everybody has suddenly had a draft of the script that they had written Steve's, that everybody wanted. Steve's, which had a giant spider, I think. <laughs> and a lot of Ghostbusters references. And a lot of remember. Ghostbusters <laughs> references. And, but it was troubled, but it was fun. Yeah, 
fun. It was fun. What always amazed me was before getting into the second movie we made was how structurally editing sound everything about our second movie was year light years better than our first foray we got some of the other stuff out of our system but we it seemed like the review board on the second movie was super harsh (laughs) whereas the people on the first one were kind of just like oh you know these guys were obviously having fun yeah you know um so that brings us to probably one of my fondest memories of all time was making um ithaca mourns a zombie odyssey you've seen me share it you've seen my brother movie bob share it it's all over your YouTube and Facebook yep. and everything. If you haven't seen it, stop and watch it to put yourselves in the mindset of where we were at at the time. But man, at least vision-wise, it came together real nice. And it, oh, that was so much fun! It was. We had a near professional uh, creature effects person yep. doing the gore makeup. That's Kristen. Mike's she was score. Amazing. His score was fantastic. My friend Mike came in at the last possible because we had to like submit it like the next day. Yep. And he came in at the last possible minute and helped me do the score. I remember that last night, all of us being up, and he would just do clever things like the scene where a bunch of characters are being killed one by one. He would strip out the instrumentation of the music, which I thought was really, really brilliant. Yeah, Mike. Mike's a genius. And <laughs> one of my fond memories, though, is so there of all of us in like gore and zombie makeup, and after every day shooting, we'd go over to the Denny's. And wouldn't eat. take off the makeup. And we wouldn't take off the makeup. And they'd keep seating us farther and farther away from the other normal people until we were like hunched in a corner. And this is where Jason comes in, the guy that was on the last one. You know, Jason, the majority of the beginning of our podcast was talking about how I would go over Jason's house after school. Mm-hmm. And me and him and my buddy Jared, who was also in the movie, would make shorts. Yep. We, but the shorts would be trailers for full length movies we wanted to make. <laughs> and it was a lot, it was a fun way of getting your ideas all there without having to have a script. Yep. It was basically the idea. And Jason and Jared were like my breaking case of emergency guys because just like the rest of us, they lived this life. They wanted to work in this world. They aspired to work in this world. Where a lot of the people that we found to like be actors and stuff in it for the other parts were, okay, we're going to help my friend. Yeah. You know? So... You, you sometimes actually, you can tell from their acting yeah, too. You had actually culminated a lot of people that we shot a good half of the opening of the movie with a whole different cast of extra zombies that then didn't show up for the finishing. Yep. So we had to break in case of emergency and replace. You ended up having to play two zombies yep. in one shot. Uh, um, your sister came in. To my sister that one that we re- replaced lost. one to do the Quentin Tarantino shot. Yep. Um, your brother. My ended brother, up being there. Who was a, just a really good natural zombie, too. We didn't awesome. even I didn't even direct him. It was just like, you're a zombie. And he did the walk. I'm like, there it is. And Perfect. he showed up with a handcuffs and a state penitentiary shirt yep. for his zombie character, which Actually, I thought I, was I great. I bought those for him. Oh, okay. Either way, and he's got the, the handcuff with the severed with hand. With the severed hand, yep. As someone said in our uh, review, these guys use that severed... The, what was it? The um, What did they say? The... Their just use of that severed hand was... I forget the word that they used. E- economical. Yeah. It was, was the we word. had two of them. We just kept using them over We used over it again. as stubs. Yeah. I remember... stub legs. When we cut off CJ's leg and the chocolate sauce accidentally hit the camera and it, it freaked us out. But holy shit, it looked great. And it's a special feature. So we made a 15 minute long movie with... And I gotta get... I'm gonna get these files off my old hard drive. And I think we need to start producing this damn thing again. Or at least get it all the special features up on yeah, YouTube. I'd like Because that. we made a 15 minute long movie with three audio commentary tracks <laughs> and... One hour and 45 minutes of special features. I forgot how much we put on there. CJ shot a documentary of every day of filming. Yep. We had behind the scenes of everything we did in color. Mm -hmm. And the movie was mostly in black and white, so it was so cool. And I gotta say, I didn't know, one, 
that I had a, I guess, <clears throat> natural eye for cinematography and pulled off some cool you things. Definitely did. And that when when we went out to this area to film the action sequence, mm-hmm. the big action sequence, Which is the thing and it was just of. me and you talking like storyboarding it on the phone mm-hmm. like about how we do it and it was like one takes almost the whole time we nailed it yeah we, it was unbelievable I mean, we it, were it was almost we were a, chopping off legs and we had tracking shots and we had it was almost exactly according to the boards that felt so good shooting that stuff it's still if, if you guys get a chance to watch it i mean say what you will about you know some of the stuff in the edit we had it was edited the way it was because it had to be 15 minutes long the yeah. end got a little rushed um, Michelle, who I'll have on this, who admittedly to herself goes, you really couldn't have told me to maybe like mellow up my accent a little bit. And so, <laughs> it was a little thick. But, a little um... thick. but again, that the, the, the scene for that shot was mm-hmm. awesome. We just had so much goddamn fun. It just felt good. It felt like, yes, this is exactly what I want to be doing, to be actually out there directing a movie with a bunch of And friends. most of the places we filmed it, you can't even get to anymore. I know, they fenced them all off. Yeah. Um, so, especially the graveyard we kind of defiled. <clears throat> ah, not that much. <laughs> no, uh, so, an- another cool thing about it was that we actually, and I never got to go to any of these, so I'm super bummed out, but Tim actually got... It's shown a couple of times, so let's talk about that well, a little it bit. It was um, Halloween. It showed at the movie theater that I'd eventually end up working at after I uh, quit the video store. They showed it on the big screen before. I can't remember what the other movie was showing, but it was like the the short before it. It was God and, of Vampires. Oh, God, you're right. It was, was God of Vampires. It was, which yeah. um, was, what's his name? Um, um, Fitz, Rob Fitz. Rob Fitz, who we went to his film festival that he was yep. using to fund it. So I thought that was really cool. I forgot it was before that. but um, And did you know that my friend who I ended up working with, Morris Chung, was the star? You did mention that. <laughs> and I ended up working with uh, one of the other stars, uh, Kurt Bergeron, who was like the production designer and the guy who has his head ripped off and thrown at the bar midway through the movie. And and Rob Fitz, when now works for K&B, mm-hmm. And he actually was the, um, in a lot of movies, but I happen to see him in the end credits, as the lead um, effects guy on Patriot's Day oh. for the bombing sequence, which is horrifying, yeah. actually. And he, he, he did a great for, job on it. For years afterward, he would make up people as those Chinese vampires out in Salem, right in front of yeah. uh, Magic Parlor. It was great. So another thing to check out, you guys should check out God of Vampires. It's oh, absolutely. It's, um, it's got a lot of heart, and mm-hmm. he really put... His gore effects were amazing. Yep. It's really just a showcase for how good he was at that stuff, is what the movie really is. But um, it was cool to see him go every year and show us more of the movie. Yeah, and little he, bits of and it. And he'd get cool, um, he'd get cool cuts of like Halloween original print or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Spanish subtitles. It was the first time I saw the thing. Me on the big too. Screen. Yep. And that that night's interesting because you and me and Bob went out to Worcester. Yep. And it was I got out of school and drove home so we could drive out there. And the parking garage we parked in we didn't realize closed at midnight. Oh, I forgot about and that. And so we went to find the car in the pitch black. Yep. After a horror movie festival. After the last one was like blood sucking freaks. Out of oh yeah. Whoops. <laughs> oh blood sucking freaks is hilarious, but it it's was, so bad. It was interesting. <laughs> but. Um, so Rob Fitz actually came and found me at work when Mo had told him that I remembered him. Really? And so I come to my office and my seat turns around, supervillain style, and Rob's sitting there in his trench coat and his cannibal corpse shirt. <laughs> and he goes, oh my god, I haven't seen you in so long, and gave me a signed copy of uh, God of Vampires. So I, I still that see was really him cool. uh, in Salem every once in a while, yeah. around Magic Park. He's a good dude. Say hello. He is a really good dude. I, I like him a lot. Uh, but um, going back to the video store days, I'm trying to think, what... <sighs> Well, after Scott, we do have to talk about was the 
probably the worst boss I've ever worked for. I think for. we called him Manager Z, is uh, how we've referred to I'm going to, to refer to him by the name that Jeremy gave clown him. Shoes. Clown Shoes. Clown Shoes. Fucking Clown Shoes. And boy, he lived up to that name. Um, one of the laziest people I've ever seen. We'd be... But, but Tim, he was really, really spending all of his time on his basket creation website with his wife. <laughs> well, I remember... We'd have a busy night. He looked like the lead singer of Newfound Glory. <laughs> he would have a busy like Saturday night and it'd be slightly rainy. He's like, I'm worried about the tree in front of my house. I have to go check on it. And he'd just leave us for hours at a time. Yes, and he would. I later found out, of course, there was no tree in front of his building. He would just, just take off. So the thing I found out about him later, and I think I talked about this a little, but I'll remind, is that when they decided to split us all up, mm-hmm. well, sorry, they brought in clown shoes and moved lord almighty scott over to the woburn (laughs) store what it turned out is they were moving scott to the woburn store to fix Mm -hmm. clown shoes mess ups there Ah. and left clown shoes assistant store manager in woburn with scott and brought clown shoes to our store and what it turned out was that the assistant store manager and him were transferring all like the pvts and just putting them in the back room and piling them up and not processing them, but they had perfect scores right. to get the store more hours because you got more hours based on this. And then when Scott ended up trading me for a, for two days a week as a CSR for a full-time assistant store manager who they then moved to Salem and Scott tipped them off to say, hey, we're finding empty PlayStation 2 rental boxes in the ceiling tiles. Mm-hmm. And it turned out he was putting them up there and calling his friends in to come in the bathroom and reach in and steal Holy them in their backpacks. Shit. So they ended... This was shortly after I think we were all gone. Yeah. I think Steve might have still been there during this and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, I was there through the whole thing while Clown Shoes was there. But oh, he was terrible. I remember um, we had this promotion where... Uh, for some kind of charity thing where people could, if they donated a dollar, they could get a free kids rental. I remember this. And he was trying to convince me to tell the customers if they donated $5, they could get a free kids rental. Meanwhile, there's this signage all over the store saying it's a buck. And like, I'm not going to do that. They're going to see the signage, realize I'm lying and going to be upset. No, I won't do it. And he was like, he was going to tell the district manager on me. Like, I don't care. Just, Just do it that way. I wouldn't do it. I told the district manager, he's like, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of, of weird he was just shitty weird. thing he would he do. He was just weird. Oh, he was and terrible. He, he, he didn't ruined, even seem to like movies. He ruined all of our good outlook on it. Like, yeah. that was like the beginning of the, this isn't fun anymore. And, well, you know, he, got, he was so pissy about the fact that we all liked Scott and didn't like him. I remember he tore down all the posters that we had in the he bathroom. He tore them all down and he held a store meeting about how, you know, we could hang out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We could go out and watch movies. I'm a cool guy. And, and it, we didn't really have anything against him. He just wasn't nice. Like, well, he was a prick. Yeah, I had that you know against him. Mean? I thought he was an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> him and I can't remember who his assistant, that little blonde kid That's was. what I'm talking yeah, about. That's, yeah. the guy, that's the guy they shit can. Yeah. Oh, I hated him, too. I hated both of them. <laughs> but that was terrible. And then after he left, I think next was... Derek. He was the next big... I do. I forgot about Derek. Yeah, Derek was He was awesome. the guy in charge. Derek was incredibly cool. And yeah. And then we had Shayna. We had Melissa. We had just a really good group. And um, that was kind of the group I closed out with there. I, I When I started to lose hours, I worked at the movie theater for a little while on the side, the uh, AMC, but I never left until I finally actually left left. But Derek's When group, was that? 2009? That was June of 2006. And here's 2006. the amazing thing. I left uh, the next day after I, you know, after my final day was the 10-year anniversary of me starting there. That's awesome. I literally left a day before it would have been 10 years that I'd started there. So, yeah, that was around the point where it was clear the video store thing wasn't working. I loved how 
in the meetings, they'd try to pretend, oh, yeah, this uh, Netflix thing, <laughs> like, that's going to work. <laughs> What's Clearly funny is most of most of the Paramount guys that ducked out when Viacom sold it ended yeah. up being big investors in Netflix. And also, surprise, surprise. That, uh, the guy who developed Netflix offered it to Blockbuster, yes, and he they did. said no. So, they said, no, we're a, we're a uh, family-oriented, in-person format. So clearly, I mean, you had that, you had Redbox. The writing was on the wall, so it was time to go. So I quit there, started working at the Cinema Salem when they reopened up that year. I only lasted there about a year and then finally moved on to my current job. And that was pretty much it. And then um, Shane and I would go in every once in a while and saw when they, they cut the store in half, which that was That was the weird. worst. That, that was, was the just worst. bizarre. That was clearly a sign that, oh, yeah, things are ending because they have to save on the rent by cutting it in half. And uh, basically, we kind of picked, picked the bones clean as it was closing. Just like, yeah, oh, I have the blockbuster, uh, the uh, gumball machine. You've got the gumball machine. They were selling the fixtures. I got a lot of good deals on some cheap movies. So, And um, that was it. And now, if you go down there, the only remains of Blockbuster is this blue pole out on the roadside that used to have the big sign there. That's it. That's yeah. the only trace that's left. You'd never know. Nope. You'd never and know. And that's kind of it for all of them. And boy, I, I do miss the video store business. It was it was it was fun and even even near the end, like I said, as much of a corporate nasty as Blockbuster was when they started making us all go to like the like region meetings mm-hmm. where they'd let roll out the new ways we had to act and the new words we were allowed to use. Oh, yeah. It's still when you got back to work, still felt like no, this is just my store. Yep. You know what I mean? This is, fuck you. This is just my store. And even then, we were still doing stuff. I remember we used to have our weird little mascots that we'd put on the registers. We, yeah. we got these, oh, yeah. this bunch of, like, aquatic animals from somewhere. And I kept, like, I adopted the shark. And, of course, Shannon would give it to some kid. I'm like, no, that's my shark. My shark. My so, bubbles. <laughs> so, finally, I found this this little rubber polar bear in the parking lot that I named Gustav. And I put him up on my register. I was like, Don't, do not give him away. This is my polar bear. I still have that polar bear. Do you remember, to double back for a quick second, the burning trash barrel? Because you remember that it was melted after a while. I, oh, God, the I remember that it was top. melted, yes. So I don't remember quite what happened. I think it was a cigarette butt, but it was a pretty big deal because they had to evacuate the store. I Was I there for that one? I it was know. at night. Okay, That's I might not I just, have been there when so it happened. So they had to evacuate the store, and it was funny because a guy that used to rent there that worked at the Shaw's across the way came mm-hmm. in and said, do you know your trash barrel is on fire? <laughs> Holy shit. And it's like, Jesus. And, it, you know, it... We got it put out, and yeah. then we left the melted trash barrel out there, and the company never gave us a new one. I do remember we lost a trash barrel before that because one of the snow plows hit it. I remember and that it too. shattered in the cold. It was yeah. kind of amazing. Yeah. I also remember, especially with um, Derek, we had some laughs trying to get stuff out to that that dumpster. I I remember one of the uh, sales towers we used to have that was falling apart. We were trying to wheel it out there, and as we're trying to wheel across this parking lot, it, bits of it are just coming off, <laughs> and we're just laughing our asses off. I mean, we just totally lost it. By the time we got it out to the the dumpster, there was barely anything left. It we had to just pick it up, and fling it in bit Jesus. by bit. Jesus. I also remember one of uh, one of my other favorite nights is there was one night when it was super quiet, and we were giving away. I think it was Batman and Robin posters. And we just had a whole big thing of them. And all of a sudden, I was working with this really awesome CSR, Christine, and we each pull it out and we start sword fighting. And we each pull out a second one. So we each have two and we're just going across the store doing this amazing sort of Jet Li inspired sword fight. Just boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and it went for a good five minutes until a customer came in. And I think I screwed up and she slew me and that was it. But, oh, stuff like that, you know. We were always doing shit like that. Um... 
I remember uh, one of the other managers, Tracy, would very quietly set up a TV and a VCR under the cabinet. I remember Tracy. Yeah. And she just watched the birdcage. She loved the birdcage. Yep. Wow. And then, so something I was going to bring up, we keep doubling back, but, you know, I was going to bring this up when I did this with Jeremy, but, you know, um, maybe I will have him on someday. But, you know, (coughs) well, a lot of this is fun for a lot of us to think back on, you know. Um, Jeremy hasn't had the easiest time of it. Mm-hmm. So these memories kind of bring up some rougher stuff. So we'll uh, leave that to a future thing. But again, um, you know, he, he, we, we talk about him in such a regard because he was a very much one of the most important parts, if not the most important part of this group. Oh, absolutely. But he was a particular pusher of a particular movie. And he would latch on to something. Jeremy was always like the rebel, like the uh, like the hipster, like punk rocker. Of I found this thing and I need to make sure everybody sees it, yep. whether it's a game, whether it's a movie. And Blockbuster did this cool thing for a while, which I guess Netflix has kind of taken up the reins on of a bit, where they'd have a production that they would have as the exclusive place, where the place you can get it, mm-hmm. and a movie that became a really big deal. I end up quite enjoying it. I know that you don't like it so much, but right. Jeremy loved it. Was this movie called Boondock Saints? You may have heard of it, you may not have, but I I need to remind you that regardless of which one of your, you know, friends that think Heat is a documentary about them, or, or whoever else that may have shown you this movie in college, it originated at Blockbuster. You could not get it in the United States unless you rented it at a Blockbuster, and you could not buy it unless you imported it from Canada. Yep. And we had two copies, and they were always out. Oh, yeah. Because we all, even, even those of us that weren't as fond of it, were like, you want to see a cool movie that's kind of about the area? Check out Boondock Saints. Or just Saints. get stolen. I remember that was yeah, another just one that get got, stolen. It never got returned. Yeah. And so Jeremy just pushed this. And, you know, Tim, you I can't even really remember much about it at this point. But what's what's going on with Boondock Saints? I know. I remember Jeremy after me, like, you got to watch it. You got to see the scene with the cat. Come on, it's funny. Come on, it's funny. It is funny. It's funny. And I watched it and I was just kind of like, yeah, yeah. Willem Dafoe's good. I'm all it's, set. <laughs> it's, one, it's one of those movies that, like, after... You know, after you see it and after you see other work that the director has done, mm-hmm. it kind of falls in that American History X line of things where you go, this is definitely editors saving this more than it's the see, person having the, any talent. I found the documentary on the making of the movie, yes. which explains how it became a blockbuster exclusive, yes. a little more interesting than the film itself. And so what's the name of the director? It's um, uh, Troy Duffy. Troy Duffy. Yep. And Troy Duffy has made a sequel to this, and I think that's about it. I've never seen this sequel. So. Yeah. And um, Troy Duffy. Um, made this movie that's, you know, about a couple of... It's a clever premise. It's about a couple of criminals that are terrible at being criminals and end up being like the... You alright? No, I gotta tell you something after. And end up act, and end up having like the underground crime syndicate think that they're like some sort of um, rogue superheroes out to take down all of the criminals and they just end up doing it by sheer luck of stupidity. And it's a clever premise. It's got Willem Dafoe being yep. hilarious. And if you want to see Doc from Fraggle Rocks wearing up a storm. Oh, fuck us. Fuck us. Um, it's funny. It just reminded me that I remember Bob taking me out to see one of his friends had made some low budget crime movie. Oh, yeah. And it was essentially a ripoff of Boondock Saints with a guy who decides that God's told him to wipe it out the mob. It wasn't. And they got to play in Revere. Yeah. As weird as that was. really was not good. <laughs> I remember Bob even saying it wasn't good. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I remember is that in terms of blockbuster exclusives for a while, Ginger Snaps was a blockbuster so exclusive. So fucking good. And, oh, God, I love that movie. I recommend that movie to everybody. Yeah, if, if you guys haven't seen Ginger Snaps, Ginger Snaps is cool because of the same way that, like, Carrie does the supernatural power thing by way of 
girl coming of age story. Ginger Snaps does that with the werewolf. Yep. And it, and God, they got so many. I mean, I don't think they made one of them that wasn't at least fun to watch. No, all they it, made three of them. They were all great. Yeah, and one of them takes place like way back in the day. Yeah, like, like which the is even, one. Um, but Ginger Snaps is fantastic. Two other things that just occurred to me. Um, we had an interesting syndrome that occurred uh, right around the time I first started at Blockbuster, where. And this might have been particular to one of my fellow employees, uh, Linda, who was super awesome. I still see her every once in a while. Um, if you said something across the store, like you were trying to get somebody's attention or ask a question, <laughs> somehow the acoustics and the distance of that store would pervert it into the most bizarre and weird sentence possible to the other person. You know, you could ask, hey, um, where should I put these movies? And No, I can't give your cow a hand job. Yeah. And Linda would be like, wait, you want me to kill who? <laughs> I remember that. The other thing is, I remember that. I remember that. For a while, the staff was fluent in Martian. Because this was right around 96 after Mars Attacks came out. <laughs> so oftentimes you would hear, you just hear the strangest noises in that store, but you hear, and somebody else would answer. And customers would be like, what the fuck is going He's on? He's making the international sign of the donut. There was that. Um, we had a lot of cheap martial arts movies featuring a martial artist who was an Enter the Dragon called Bolo Young. Yep. And uh, Rich, who was this ex-Marine who was like one of the oh, nicest Rich. guys. He was super cool. Would occasionally just yell out across the store, Bolo Young! <laughs> when we were trying to find an inventory, did you find that movie starring Bolo Young? Now, I talked about it with Steve, mm -hmm. but just to get your reaction out of it, I'm going to say a gentleman's name, which was not his real name. Okay. The Mayor of China. The mayor of Do you China. remember the mayor of China? Um, I'm not sure. Let me see if I can paint a picture. Okay. Pretty well built, but kind of like pudgy, well built guy. Okay. Who, kind of short, would come in and leave cards that he was a personal assistant slash protection slash nude male model. I think I remember. And this he guy would actually. always ask for all the stand-ups, the 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 yes. person's all stand-ups. He, came, I don't know if he ever told you this, but he came in and told Steve that he was an international renowned martial artist, and they were so proud of his kung fu. Think about how wrong this statement is yeah. in China that they made him the mayor, <laughs> and he was adamant. Of, I'm blah blah blah, mayor of China. <laughs> like this, and he was a he was a like um, Midwestern white guy. Okay, uh, mayor of China. That's not the guy I'm thinking, but I do remember hearing about this guy. Oh, man. <laughs> um, oh, I also have to mention the uh, Jerry Maguire gag, which I forgot about. Oh, Jesus. The, you mentioned standees, and I remember we used to have that six-foot-tall Michael Myers one every once in a while next to the display yep. that would freak me out. See that out of the corner of your eye and be like, ah. So one time we had a six-foot... I don't know why they gave us this. It was just <laughs> six-foot-tall Jerry Maguire, Tom Cruise on the phone, on his little hand, yeah, uh, handheld phone. So we decided to put it at the in the back room at the table so that when the next manager came up the next morning, they would open the door to find Tom Cruise just sitting there at the table on the phone. Hmm. I unfortunately didn't get to work, but I heard the reaction was kind of amazing. That's just awesome. this scream of, ah! <laughs> He's trying to show me the money! <laughs> I also remember the year we got um, a whole bunch of amazing Universal Monster standees. And I remember Everybody that. put their names on them, and we had to send all the fuckers back, which is a bummer, because I really wanted that Gilman one. Oh. oh, they were beautiful. They were so good. That's awesome. I also remember um, at Halloween, sometimes we'd dress up. Yeah. I did Michael Myers one year, and I had to keep before, pulling off that. Before they stopped masks. Yeah, and I had to pull off that damn mask all the time. And then the next year I did uh, Norma Bates. 
Yeah, I remember that. And everyone thought I was the church lady. <laughs> <laughs> Could it be Satan? <coughs> I also remember that for that I, I took a one of the little C, or DVD inserts and put it into the lanyard. And we started doing that for a while. We yep. cut out our favorite movie, put it in there behind the name tag. I, I remember Scott's, and I'll let him talk more on this, because Steve had Scuba Steve yep. for his name tag, and Scott had Tyler Durden. <laughs> and I right. always thought that was great. I also remember when um, Phantom Menace came out and we all had Bizarro name tags, and mine was, uh, I'm using an old Jedi mind trick to make it look like I'm a lowly CSR. I'm actually a Jedi master. That's awesome. Oh, we had some good... It Good was fun. it was just fantastic. It was. It even the bad parts, as well, as Steve put it, were yeah, fantastic. That's the thing. I mean, yeah, you can complain about the company, and sure, they were kind of shitty, but really, I don't have much to complain about. I, I was never so unhappy much. going to work. No, I I felt like I knew what I was doing. I felt comfortable there. I had, I got so much out of that store. I got so many friends. I got. Uh, so much of my film education came from renting movies at that store. So much of my film collection came from that store eventually. Um, I just got so much better at being in social situations as a result of that store. Uh, chances to write about film for a while. That was right. fun. I mean, it, it financed me moving out on my own. It gave me so much that I can't complain about any of that. And I'll admit, yeah, I miss it. I mean, we just had great times, you know? I, I feel like, you know, Henry Hill, it was a glorious time. I think about it and I hear, like, the Layla piano exit playing. <laughs> I I always think that the way that, like, you know, especially with the crowd of bringing back things from a while ago, like, you know, a pop-up bar that's themed after Stranger Things, mm -hmm. you know, and all that, that especially with, like, you know, movies like Captain Marvel being set in the 90s and having Blockbuster so adamantly in there at yep. marketing, um, that... It would be so cool to like pitch the idea of like what if we did a pop up blockbuster that just you know that rented out you know um, you know even if it was just you know just like cheap movies for sale or whatever right. but in like the blockbuster boxes instead yeah. just to be funny you know what I mean it's like a theme day or like for an event with like a movie release you yeah know? when the person eventually makes the video rental documentary yep like that that would be a cool. Fuck, we should make the video. <laughs> Do not take our idea. We should make the video. You did not hear that. You heard nothing. What do you mean that doesn't work? <laughs> um, um, so yeah, I, I think that's a good culmination of a podcast. I think so. So Funny to fit like, you know, nine and a half years into it. Well, I, I, I think we're just good at talking. Like yeah. sometimes like with Paul, Paul's just, Paul's a storyteller. Paul's amazing. So I had to do two episodes with Paul because he just Listening can't... to him, I just pulled back so much stuff that I'd forgotten yeah, about. And, and the thing is, is Paul... The unfortunate thing with Paul, and those of you that have listened to this can get it, is he he's pulling out great fond memories, but the store wasn't as great to him. Right. He got a really hard shake from the corporate structure of that store. Yeah. And, um, you know, it... They liked me because I never caused trouble. Yeah, it was kind of... And he didn't cause trouble as much well, not as he that, just... But... He, 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 was, he was made an assistant store manager and then they had to demote somebody because they didn't allow more than one anymore. Yeah. And of course it's going to be Steve over Paul because of the more open availability because Paul was in college. And it was just a really bad shake for him. It was a and the fact that I got so many positive memories out of him, I was worried that that could have devolved into, mm -hmm. you know, because they, they didn't treat him. I mean, there was a period of time where none of us saw him because of how bad yep. his leaving of that place was, right? And he sugarcoated it, and I'm glad because it made for a happier podcast. <laughs> but we love Paul. And, oh, yeah. you know, he's, again, as part of the group as anybody else. So now it gets to the point of the podcast where um, we do the, you know, oh, I brought bring up a movie and Tim gives me a recommendation. And we do the same thing because it's what we used to do for work. Yep. And 
there's a story behind this one. I couldn't think of one better than Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Okay. And not to promote anything David Mamet says or does now, but at one time David Mamet was awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'll just leave it at that. Absolutely. But the cool thing about the movie Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross is I was turned on to it by you. I think you actually sat me down and made me watch it. I don't and, remember. Uh, or, or my brother did, but whatever. I remember it being like we'd throw quotes around and stuff back and forth to work. But me and you and my wife... Mm-hmm. Went in and saw a theater company called the at the Piano Factory. What was yeah. the name of that theater company? I forget the, what they. I called can't remember the company itself. The Piano Factory was the location. Piano it Factory. Was great. It was it a, was a place. that type of live theater performance where you sat on the stage yeah. and you were really a part of it. And they did a bang up production of Glengarry. Really good. And not only that, but they did a different version of it because they added the Alec Baldwin character in from the movie. Yeah, which adds a lot to the story, in my opinion. So um. If you haven't seen Glengarry Glen Ross, I won't even go into it so much because I think you just need to see it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a perfect movie. It's fantastic <laughs> stuff, yeah. It's really well written. And again, it's got, you know, the cast of it's Alec Baldwin, Jack Lemon, um Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer. Well, yeah, well, we'll just say it's Christopher Plummer. Just watch it, please. That's <laughs> kinda kinda the and gag is, on is our Paul own podcast. Like that? I always forget. No, no. It's um, not Kevin. Jonathan Pollack. Price. Jonathan Price. That's um Ellen Arkin. Ellen Arkin, yep. yeah. It, it's just fantastic. So if I was to come up to you now or mm-hmm. you know in 1999 in Salem, Massachusetts, when Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross in my hands, you probably recommended it to me. But what would you recommend me to rent with it? Okay, uh, if you like that one, I would probably recommend The Spanish Prisoner. Uh, Fuck yes, one of Martin. Mamet's la- later films where it's the direct polar opposite of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. If that's the most profane movie possible, uh, Spanish Prisoner is PG rated, and yet it's, it's a PG rated thriller, intensely suspenseful. Definitely keeps you guessing. Uh, great performances by Campbell Scott and Steve Martin in a dramatic role. Uh, I think it's one of Steve Martin's absolute best roles. In terms of another great Mammoth stage adaptation, I would recommend his film version of Oleana, which is admittedly tough to watch, especially these days. Uh, really searing drama about. Uh, a professor and a student and their meeting after class that leads to a sexual harassment accusation. And it's one of those stories that divides people because one person can look at it and see this lecherous, horrible professor and then somebody else can look at it and see this student who's trying to take advantage of the professor with this false accusation. Whichever way you look at it, Interesting. I've never seen that one. It's a tough movie to watch, but it's very, very good. So I would have recommended those two. All right, and what are you coming up with? Okay, well, it's funny because I actually kind of remember my employee pick section. Oh, sweet. Had a shelf for a while. Um, One of the ones that was always on there for me because it's always been one of my favorite movies and I I never tired of it is Midnight Run. Oh, wow. De Niro and Charles Grodin. Always funny, always exciting that movie. I adore that film. Midnight Run. Great one about a bounty hunter trying to grab this really talkative and annoying mob accountant. Uh, he arrests him in New York and is trying to take him back to L.A. while the FBI and the mob are chasing them at the same time. Great, That's great stuff. fascinating. So I'm going to go completely bizarro okay. and go to something, um, if you come up with that one, from my childhood that I've rewatched. It isn't quite as good, but I remember it being a big deal. And the idea of, like, you know, Hitman and, you know, it makes me think of Joe Montana. And for some reason, I want to recommend Baby's Day Out, as weird as this is going to be. <laughs> I liked Baby's I, Day I Out. I do, too. But, I, I, so, Baby's Day Out, it was, in, it was in the Home Alone time frame. Yep. Where, you know, the kids in danger was, like, a thing that we were okay with. And it's this PG-rated romp where this little kid ends up thwarting a, like, a guy who thinks he's a crime supervillain. <laughs> and it's Him a and his genius. And this, it's like a live-action Looney Tunes yeah, cartoon. Yeah, this baby is... And I baby don't know Bink. why Midnight Run makes me think of it, but it does. I just remember that baby being deadly. I remember particularly the scene where Mantegna's on a park bench trying to look casual as the baby has a lighter 
under his balls. Under his crotch. And he's like, ah! And that movie that would never get funny. made. It no, would never it get wouldn't, made. But no. it was, I remember it being a kind, of, kind of a big deal at the time. It was a huge deal. The effects were. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of digital effects for that baby. Because the kid was, I mean, they, they had him on pie, on I-beams being lifted up on <laughs> structures. And I remember when it came out on video, this big promotional thing where they had this map of New York where it's like, find baby bank. Oh, map. yeah. Yep. I don't know why. But yeah, <laughs> so. <laughs> Interesting, interesting choice. So I, remember, I recommended Baby's Day Out. That's good. It's funny because I remember my employee's favorite shelf was um, Carnival Souls. Yeah. Uh, Taxi Driver, Midnight Run. I want to say Miracle Mile because that was one of the first movies I rented for free as an employee. A really odd one with Anthony Edwards. Um, Single White Female, I think, and Mrs. Parker in the Vicious Circle because I was a big, and still am a big Jennifer Jason Lee fan. That's awesome. I think that was it. Those were... Oh, and The Wicker Man. That was my other one. Yeah, I think I had Nightmare Before Christmas, um, Army of Darkness, Evil Dead 2. Ooh, good choices. Um, uh, why am I completely... Dead Alive. Yep. Because um, we didn't have bad taste, but we had Dead Alive. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that till your brother brought um, it me. And... Uh, Oh, oh, Tombstone. Oh, <laughs> I loved, I oh, loved. Oh, I remember that was a big one Tombstone. in our, Stephen in particular yeah. loved Tombstone. I remember one time actually sitting in the store with the DirecTV on watching, we're watching My Darling Clementine and he was digging it, seeing how similar it was to Tombstone in many ways. Cool, man. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. I think it's pretty um, good. Especially because I hear the kids screaming. <laughs> um, so thank you, Tim. Well, thank um, you. For going on this, uh, this weird time warp with me tonight. <laughs> um, Again, um, for me, um, at the Chippa on Twitter, patreon.com slash the Chippa. Um, please, you know, every cent you give helps me make more of these, um, especially the Talkbuster, which I've said before is my favorite. You can also find me on the Chipman Brothers Tangent with my brother, Movie Bob, Creating Geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility with my wife, Sarah, and on Shooting the Shit with Chippa, which I'm trying to um, line up some more episodes of. Um, I always like to push a couple of people that I've done some work with. My friend Peter, who runs the Big Brown Chair, which is a bunch of librarians that do movie reviews. I've done a couple, or I've done one so far review for him, and I'm actually a member of their site, so I'll be doing some more. Um, and Geeks with Shields podcast, which I've been on. Um, you guys should check them out. You should also check out Research and Destroy um, and on YouTube. That's the only place that can be found now. And the Pumpkin Copter cast, which... As I've told you before, I randomly ran into a guy at Target that recognized me from my Twitter account and my stuff and asked me to be on his podcast, and it was about video games, and it was a blast. Um, and obviously, I've talked about before, now you get to hear him on my podcast, Tim, who is the creator of Cinemaspection and runs it with uh, his wife, Corinne. And uh, Tim, why don't you pitch a little bit about Cinemaspection, tell people where they can find it. Uh, we're at Cinemaspection.com and um, at Cinemaspection on Twitter. Um, just us basically talking about movies in as academic and interesting way as we possibly can. We just did a nice one on Unbreakable just in time for Glass, and we're going to be doing episodes on our favorites of the year and our Oscar picks pretty soon. Uh, I can also be found on Twitter at Timosaurus R. Uh, they cut off the EX for Timosaurus Rex. Really? The bastards! Yeah, apparently there's somebody else out there. So we're, you find our stuff out is there. Is this the first time you've been a guest on someone else's podcast? It is, actually. Woohoo! Yeah. We did it for each other. That's awesome. <laughs> all right, so um, thank you all for making it a Talkbuster night or day or whenever you're listening to this. And please be kind, rewind. Have a great night.